Welcome to What You Need to Know. I'm Tyson Ewing. I'm joined by Amanda Smith. This is the second episode of the What You Need to Know podcast. And Amanda, hello. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you doing, Tyson? Tell you what, I'm so excited. So very excited. And let me tell you a little reason why I'm so excited. Yeah, tell me why. Tell me why you're so excited. I'm, I'm it, curious. It is because not only do we get to record the What You Need to Know podcast, we get to talk about Utah women's basketball for 30 straight minutes. And it was a very special week up at the University of Utah. No games, but lots to talk about. And let's get right into it and jump. Just, just, just let's cannonball right into Whoa. Utah basketball. <laughs> they started against Xavier last week. Uh, after they lost to Cincinnati on the road, they had a quick little turnaround where they took on Xavier in Cincinnati. They did lose to the Xavier Musketeers by a final of 72-63. And that game had a lot. It was very similar to what happened in Cincinnati. They had uh, opportunities late in the game. They uh, missed those opportunities, but they did lose a close game. But another opportunity for this young core to experience late game situations where they had chances to win. And that's what we've talked about, Tyson, right? Like the sample size of games to go off of is still very small. They've only played two non-conference games. But to have those young women be able to get that late game experience of we just need to know what to do in these situations, those are the types of situations you want to put yourself in before conference play starts. To sort of go into, you know, what happened down that stretch, Utah, they did have opportunities, as I just mentioned, and again, moments where they were within one possession of the lead, but it was turnovers this time that doomed Utah. If you remember from that Cincinnati game, it was missed layups followed by an opportunity at a defensive rebound, which turned into an offensive rebound for Cincinnati. In this game specifically, there was two key turnovers by a really key contributor to this Utah success, and that was the turnovers by Drew Gilton at the end of this game against Xavier. And right now, Utah's a team, Tyson, they're averaging, giving up 16 points off of turnovers. So as we look ahead, taking care of the ball is something, obviously, you always want to do, but it's really going to be crucial. I mean, we've seen it against Cincinnati and now Xavier that those points are important at the end of the game and, and can really determine whether or not you win or lose. So I do want to talk to you specifically. Uh, we'll get to the offense in just a minute. But in our last episode, we had a lot of positives about the Utah defense, what they did against Cincinnati, especially in that second quarter, holding the Bearcats to seven points. They did very much of the same uh, in uh, in Cincinnati against Xavier. Uh, in that second quarter, only allowing the Musketeers to go 3 of 17, and despite, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but they had a quite a few amount of turnovers going into halftime in a game that really, I don't even think they had a business of leading at half, but went into the break uh, leading at halftime, and that was in large part thanks to their great defensive play in that first in that first half. Utah scored Xavier 14 to seven. So another really good second quarter for them. Then after the half Tyson, like you mentioned in the third quarter, they outscored the Musketeers 20 to 19. It was that fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. Xavier ended up outscoring Utah 23 to 14 in that final quarter. And that's where those turnovers hurt you so bad. Momentum shifted. Momentum shifted because Xavier started knocking down their shots. Utah was turning the ball over late. 
And they did not shoot very well in that fourth quarter either. They shot just 29% in that fourth quarter. But what you saw, I mean, you're going to look at the free throw numbers and be like, well, hey, Xavier took a lot of free throws. That's, that was that late game situation where Utah was within striking distance when they were fouling Xavier to try to get the, uh, to try to get possessions back. But Xavier still shot the ball extremely well in that fourth quarter, their best quarter of any quarter in that game, 46%. And that turned out to be the difference as Xavier got the victory. Thanks in large part for that fourth quarter. But another really great game we saw from Brennan Maxwell, 15 points, six rebounds, three steals, and an assist uh, through these first two games, Tyson. She leads the team in scoring, averaging 13 points a game. She has the second most minutes behind your Gilton, and she's actually averaging the second most rebounds at five. So as a freshman, I know, right? So as a freshman, being able to get this experience it's only going to help her and the rest of the Utah team as we move into conference. And dare I say, she's probably performing better than any Utah player to this to this time right now. But you got to be excited about what you're seeing from her. Four of 12 from the field. She took 10 more three-pointers. But she did take those shots, if you remember. Towards that middle of that podcast of last week, we talked about how Brenna Maxwell passed up on some opportunities. So I actually talked with Coach Roberts prior to tip-off against Xavier, and I asked her about shot selection. Not only the bad part where Utah was taking really poor shots in that first half against Cincinnati, but how about those opportunities that Brenna Maxwell had when she was wide open? And Coach just simply said to me, like, yeah, we've talked to her about that. She tends to overthink it to where when she gets those shots, she's just got to look to take them. And she did that. Very, very seldom can I even think of a moment in that Xavier game where she was not open and she did not shoot. So when she was open, she was taking those shots. And that was very key to that one day in between Cincinnati and Xavier where Coach did say that she talked specifically with her team about getting those shots and specifically about Brenna on not passing up those open looks. She's going to be crucial, you know, in the years to come as to really making this Utah team kind of what they want to be, right? Like they want to be a nationally recognized, respected program. She's going to be a huge part of that. And I think she has to be. I mean, Coach is starting her for a reason. She was a uh, she was on the ballot for the freshman of the week uh, award this week. She did not win, but I can assume that as uh, voters looked at her numbers, that she was definitely one of the top three candidates for freshman of the week. And she, in 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 her very first week of experience, showed just how valuable she can be to this team and to this team's success. Isn't it crazy? Like it's it's only been through one week, and here we are talking about how crucial she's going to be and important to the success of this program. And it's like we have such a small sample size of games, but sometimes you watch someone and you can just tell like this is what they live for. You know, like she loves playing basketball, and when you watch her play, it looks so effortless. Shot selection, turnovers, you know, late game situations. There's going to be mishaps there. But it, it all comes with experience. Speaking of experience and gaining experience, a player we did not talk about last week was Kemri Martin, the freshman from Sandy, Utah, who in her first game struggled just a little bit against Cincinnati. I felt she came out. She was shooting the basketball more confidently against Xavier. She was three for six from the field, two for five from deep, and was kind of key. I've, if, if I recall, she was in the game late in that fourth quarter because – 
coach was liking what she was seeing in Kemri Martin. She has such a gorgeous looking jump shot. Her release is just a work of art. And seeing her knock down those three pointers, getting confidence in her first week of play was nothing short of spectacular. And that's what we've really heard from Coach Roberts, you know, through the first couple games of the season, Tyson, is that on the floor now, regardless of who has the ball, that player has the skill level to create their own shot and score. You know, they're all shooters. Um, and, and Kemry was big for Utah. She had six of her eight total points in the second half. I think that we're only going to, to see improvement and maybe more minutes from her down the stretch. So now I want to ask about the offense. Last week's uh, offensive topic was shot selection. I feel like I need to talk about shot selection again. So I Let's will talk ask about you, it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will ask you, as you're watching this Utah offense play, they're 19 of 52 against Xavier. So far on the season, they quite frankly, they have not been shooting the basketball well. Uh, in their first two games combined, they're shooting just 37% from the field, 30% uh, from the three-point line. Where do you think Utah needs to improve, not just obviously shooting the basketball, but getting better looks to feel more confident to knock down open jump shots? Yeah, I mean, if we want to just talk about the game against Xavier, they only scored 16 points in the paint. If the shots aren't falling from the outside, you want to try to get the ball inside. On the contrary, I bring that up because Xavier had 34 points in the paint, mm. right? So I think that, you know, as we go through the non-conference, shots just aren't falling right now. They will, right? Like, there's some great, phenomenal shooters on this team. I'm, I'm not concerned that they're not going to hit those three-pointers. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, just finding a way to get into the paint, that will really help them. Now, just uh, to go along with that, passing from the outside in uh, – pa so passing from the outside to the inside – that's something that we've seen a little bit of trouble with, and that's resulted in some turnovers for Utah here in the early going as well. But they are looking to get the ball on the inside. Where do you feel? Because they're only scoring, uh, if I look at their total numbers on the season, as far as total numbers in the paint so far, they have only scored a total of 40 points in the paint, 24 against Xavier and 16 against Cincinnati, averaging 20 points in the paint per game. And a lot of it, Coach Roberts can, uh, can probably even attest to this too in seeing her practice Wednesday at Xavier as they're trying to look on the inside. What do you feel they have to do to, as you talked about, get more points in the paint? Well, I think first, and Coach Roberts has said this, is that they're known for their transition offense. Last game against Xavier, they only scored seven points on fast break. So getting out, running, pushing the ball up the court, and then we always talk about how good they are when they're able to get some inside-outside game going. Mm -hmm. Rotating the ball side-to-side, side, hitting the open post player. If it's there, take the shot. If it's not, kick it out to great shooters who can knock down those threes. I love what you just said right there because that's – Exactly what I was thinking as well, that the key to first getting points in the paint is getting points in transition. They have a point guard that is dynamic in pushing the ball ahead. Now, we talked about her last week. We'll talk about her again this week. Erica Bean was phenomenal at looking for that pass in transition. Drew Gilton is an elite passer who has that skill set as well. 
So, so first and foremost, trying to get those transition points. Secondly, in their half-court offense, getting the ball in the interior, Lola Pendande, for example, and Andrea Torres, for example, looking for them on the inside. And as they develop that inside game, they then have the opportunity to kick it out to those terrific shooters that you talked about. Amanda, I love what you just said right there because it's exactly what I had thought about as well. And we can talk about this whenever you want, Tyson, but I think in the upcoming game against South Dakota, Lola Pendade and Andy Torres are going to be a crucial part to the game for Utah because South Dakota has so much strength in their post. So how will they be able to match up against a very veteran team? And that will kind of be a little teaser for a moment. Is that something that we'll absolutely (laughs) talk about? But before we go any further, I did want to tell you that I have come up with, and maybe we can make this a weekly uh, something that we, or something that I can talk about each week, kind of the, uh, the stat of the week or the fun stat or the obscure stat or the, <laughs> the fun stat, the fun of, the stat of the week. Wow. That you really sold that on the fun. <laughs> I was talking about selling South Dakota before what we're going to have to talk about later because that South Dakota team is going to be really good. But here's my stat, my fun stat of these first two games for Utah. We've okay. talked about how great their defense has been, uh, especially in that first quarter. I want to specifically talk about the defense in the second quarters for this Utah defense. It has been absolutely phenomenal defense that Utah's played in second quarters. In both Cincinnati and Xavier, they only allowed seven points in each of those games. So <laughs> they're averaging seven points per game given up in the second quarter. It's almost as though the clamps defensively come down because the opponent's field goal percentage has been awful. They are a combined, the opponents, a combined 6 of 35 from the field and 0 of 7 from the three-point line in second quarters this year. That is 17% so far that Utah has allowed in second quarters to this point. I get it, two games, but hey. It is our fun stat of the week. That was our fun stat of the week. Let me ask you this, Tyson. In your opinion, what have you noticed being different about that second quarter? That is a wonderful question because I've been thinking that as well. When I saw the stat, I've been thinking, what is the difference? And frankly, I don't really have an answer. It is just that (laughs) it's just clear and evident that Utah decides, let's go ahead and let's just clamp down like crazy because in those first quarters, Opponents were shooting 47%. They turn around and shoot to 17% in that second quarter. So it's not as though it is a big shift. But specifically with Xavier, it's possible that Coach Roberts devised a terrific uh, defensive game plan. But because of what we talked about last week, the lack of knowledge on what Xavier does offensively, because new coaching staff, they hadn't played any games up to that point, Frankly, Coach, and as you and I talked about this as well, uh, they had no clue what to expect outside of what Michigan did for seven years prior to when uh, Melanie Moore got there. Talking about Xavier, for example, or Xavier specifically, I should say. Um, It's possible that in that game specifically, they learned 
what they were doing. And by the second quarter, they were ready to stop it. They were absolutely ready to stop their offensive game plan. And to be fair, in both games, Cincinnati and Xavier, there were terrific second-half adjustments made by both coaches of Cincinnati and Xavier to come out and attack Utah. So uh, really what I would say is in both games, not really knowing what to expect to start the first quarter. In the second quarter, Utah clamping down defensively, uh, being able to kind of see what they did to start the game and make adjustments on the fly. But then in the halftime, possibly those coaches for Cincinnati and Xavier making the adjustments necessary to combat what Utah was doing so well defensively. And we talked a little bit about this last year as well, but especially with a young team, knowing how to finish right? Like coming out of halftime and knowing how to put the game away. I think it is hopeful though, that with a young Utah team, you know, in the last game, they only lost by seven points, Tyson. And like you said, they didn't really have a whole lot to go off of Mm -hmm. as what to expect. That is a great sign for what's to come. And now let's move on from Utah as they fall to 0-2 on the season as they prep for actually two games this, this upcoming week as they get ready to take on South Dakota on Saturday. Uh, you can catch Amanda Smith and I on that call. And Eastern Washington <laughs> on uh, on Monday as well before Utah gets ready to head out to Hawaii where they will play in a tournament, the Bank of Hawaii Classic out in uh, Bank of Hawaii Tournament, I guess it's what it's called, uh, in Honolulu. Before we go too much further and talk about those games, We have to talk about what was a terrific day for Utah women's basketball. November 13th of 2019 was National Signing Day for college basketball. Utah earned the 20th ranked recruiting class. They had some terrific signings. And Amanda, let's go ahead and talk about that. How about that? Let's do it. Let's talk about the highest recruiting ranking in program history for the Utes. Love it. And we'll start with a 6-4 post from Boise, Idaho. She went to Boise High School. Her name, Peyton McFarland. And Coach Roberts, you know, said she's raw in her development as a post player, Tyson. But with some strength training and player development, she's going to be great in the Pac-12. And I think that for Utah, even through these first couple of games, we see that they could use that extra sort of push in the post. Looking forward to seeing her on the court next season. Moving on to a guard standing at five foot ten from Hennifer, Utah, went to or is actually attending North Summit High School. Before I go any further, Amanda, I have to ask. I know you're from Chicago. I know you just moved here a year ago. Where is But I have going? to ask you. <laughs> do you have any idea where Hennifer, Utah is? I uh I barely know where I live in regards to like where the state of Utah is. Geography is not my strong point. What states are, what states even surround Utah? <laughs> uh, the so, only I reason mean, I, I guess a long-winded answer to your question is no. <laughs> the only reason why I bring that up is because I happen to know exactly where Hennifer, Utah is. As I grew up no more than about 15 minutes away in a small town called Morgan. So Hennifer is even smaller than the small town I grew up in. Alas, her name Kennedy McQueen. A four-star recruit. And you had your fun stat of the week. I've got our fun fact of the week. Are you ready for this? I'm so excited. Her mom, Melanie, 
played at Utah, and she plans to wear the same jersey number as her, number 24. Look at that. And she is electric as well. Not only do I know where North Summit is, I actually have a really good friend who's a, who's a coach of the JV boys basketball team there. And he says that she can run circles around the boys team right now. So he obviously has an opportunity to see her on a regular basis. And he says, quote, that he that she runs circles around the boys team. Not that I'm, you know, trying to bash the North Summit High School boys basketball team, but more or less just talking about how good Kennedy McQueen is. She's ESPN top 100, number 60 overall, and number 18 in her position at guard Tyson. So looking forward to adding her to Brennan Maxwell, Kemri Martin, Drew Gilton, all of the sort of strength we see from the guard position right now on this youth's team. And speaking of that guard depth, Amanda, comes another guard standing at five foot nine from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, going to Niagara Prep. She goes by Donna Tambu. What can you tell us about Donna Tambu? You know, Coach Roberts has said, Tyson, that since she's been at Utah, Donna will be the most athletic player that they've seen. She has the ability to bring something defensively that they just don't have right now. What that is, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hold on. Hold on, Amanda. You mean to tell me that Coach Roberts says that Donna Tambu is the most athletic player that's come through Utah? I'm I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. Okay. So last <laughs> season, Utah had a guard standing at about the same exact height as Donna Tambu. And Erica Bean, who is one of the most athletic guards that I have ever seen play the position. Coach is telling us that she has the potential to be more athletic than an Erica Bean. Isn't that a cool thought? Wow. They're in great hands. And I am so excited for this Utah program and for the potential that these players can add to this to, to, to direction that Coach Roberts wants to lead this team. Amanda, it's 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 an exciting time to be a Utah fan. You know, because you really just have to look at like the youth that they have right now on their team. They only have Denisha Provo and Keanu Moore as their seniors, and then they're going to return everyone. Doesn't that get you just so excited for the uh, for where this program can go? Absolutely. I mean, even through the first couple of games, that comfort level that you have with your teammates as time goes on they're going to have years to build those sort of relationships. So it's really exciting to think about. The future of University of Utah. But we are just two games into the 2019-2020 season. And a game coming up on Saturday as Utah will play host to the South Dakota Coyotes in their home opener. Again, we've talked about this. Tip-off set for noon. And there is a fantastic promotion. And I got I to gotta throw that. that promotion out real quick. And then we can go into the South Dakota Coyotes team and what and the challenges that they present to Utah. So, on Saturday, you show up to the John M. Huntsman Center. You are going to get a free ticket to see Utah and South Dakota. You stay for the entire game. As you walk out, you will receive a free ticket to Utah, to Utah UCLA 6 o'clock kickoff for a football game uh, just four hours after the game will end. Uh, Utah and South Dakota. A fantastic promotion to see the seventh-ranked Utah Utes, uh, the Utah football Utes, I should say, in action uh, for going to this Utah versus South Dakota women's basketball game on Saturday. So make sure to get out to the John M. Huntsman Center, get a free ticket to watch Utah-South Dakota 
followed by a free ticket to get into Rice-Eccles Stadium and watch Utah-UCLA, the seventh-ranked team in the country in football. Now that that's out of the way, let's get talking about this South Dakota Coyotes team. Amanda, what challenges, as you've seen this this very talented South Dakota team get out to a 3 uh, a, a 3-0 start, knocking off Drake in overtime just a couple of days ago, a terrific team. What challenges do they present to this young Utah team? I mean, I think you kind of just mentioned it right there, Tyson. A young Utah team going up against a very veteran offense and defense in South Dakota. Last year, they were 28-6 and overall, 14-2 and in conference, Tyson, 13-0 and at home, and number eight as they received a bid to the NCAA tournament. Holy cow. So they were eighth. They were so they were they received an eighth seed in the in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and here's another fun stat for you: they're returning eighty three percent of their scorers from the NCAA tournament. Okay, so a legit NCAA tournament team rolling into the John M. Huntsman Center to take on Utah coming up on Saturday. Now, I did see that last season, the end of last season, as they returned most of their players. They finished in the rankings for mid-major programs, number six in the country in mid-major programs. So this is a legit, and I'm putting quotations around this, mid-major team. Every single player in their starting five averages no less than 11 points per game either. That is almost elite status right there. You have uh, Kira Duffy, who's averaging 22 points a game, Chloe Lamb at 15, Monica Arns at 13, Madison McKeever at 12, and Hannah Shervin at 11. They're starting five, not a single one of them averaging below 11 points per game. Let me ask you this, Tyson. Kira Duffy, Summit Player of the Week this last week, at 6'3", she's versatile. She can play in the post, handle the point, shoot from the NBA three-point line. Who is someone that you think can not stop her, but at least contain and limit what she's able to do for South Dakota. This is one of those games that I wish so badly that Utah had the the defensive brilliance of their injured star in Denisha Provo. It's one of those games, and 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 I say that because Denisha is an elite defender. Obviously, she is um, coming back from her knee injury. She was just cleared. Uh, I believe the 13th, the 12th, she was just cleared for full contact. So she's, she's very close to making a return, but I would say it would be Denise Provo. That said, I can only imagine that Utah's might be looking at shifting their starting lineup as they have three small players under uh, the start that are under six feet tall with someone like Kira Duffy. You'd think that they'd put their best defender on, but their best defender right now is just five foot seven in Kiana Moore. So you look at that and you think, well, that's a little bit of a mismatch. So with that, you know, you have to look at the fact that with her talking specifically about Kira Duffy, standing at six feet tall, being able to be extremely shifty and uh, playing that guard position, you know, it's just so difficult because this team is so dynamic at so many different positions. I would I would have to say that it's going to have to be Andrea Torres, and she's going to have to stick with her like crazy. 
with four guards and a center in South Dakota's projected starting lineup, Tyson, what do you think an advantage can be for Utah? Well, right there gives me hope that Utah might not necessarily be able to get out in transition, going back to what we talked about at the start of this broadcast, at the start of this podcast, but in their half court sets, be able to look in the paint and get a Lola Pendande rolling early. Lola has the potential to score at will. Utah's just got to be able to find her. And that's really so far in the first two games been the challenge, trying to get it into Lola to have those opportunities to score. So in my opinion, to take advantage of that, get Lola involved in the offense early. That will, as you talked about earlier, collapse the defense and allow the ball to get shifted out to the uh, to the dynamic Utah shooters. I mean, the Utes are 4-0 in home openers under Coach Roberts Tyson. Let's see if they can make it 5-0 on Saturday. And with that, as Utah will try to get their first one of the season, go into the John M. Huntsman Center on Saturday to take on the South Dakota Coyotes tip-off. 12 o'clock, you can catch me and Amanda Smith on the call. Amanda, are you so excited for first game of the season for you on the broadcast? I'm so excited. You know, there's nothing more than I love than talking hoops on a, a nice Saturday afternoon. <laughs> so, And I hope that, you know, with the promotion, everyone loves free stuff. Why would you not come to the game? Come I on agree. out. Come say hi. <laughs> Come on out, come say hi, and come enjoy some great basketball, followed by the potential of watching a terrific football game with Utah-UCLA later that evening. Utah and South Dakota on Saturday, followed by a quick little turnaround game. Man, we didn't didn't even talk about this, but Utah has a quick turnaround game with Eastern Washington coming up on Monday, November 18th as well. And Amanda and I will talk about that in next week's podcast. But this has been... What you need to know for Amanda Smith, I'm Tyson Ewing. As always, go Utes.